dry clean and close us out here in prayer. Just continue to stay in your place of prayer and lifting up the Lord and magnifying his name. We know that he's the one that we can go before. He answers our prayers. He hears all of our cries. He's an almighty God. He knows right where we are in the name of Jesus. We're going to ask Sister Jaqueline just to continue that intercessory prayer. If you've got a prayer need, just let it be known by lifting your hand. We're going to give it to Sister Jaqueline and allow her to close us out here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we magnify you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, God, it's so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for everything you've done, God. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. My God, we magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy.
Pastor David Mitchell is going to come. He's going to give us the word. He's going to preach, teach, uh, open our understanding, whatever it is that the Lord has laid on his heart. Let us be open and attentive to the word of God. In Jesus' name, come. Pastor David, preach the word. Hey, everybody, y'all can have a seat, if you please, if you still want to stand, I guess you can do that too. It is uh, the month that we call Love Month around here, and that's one of my favorite months around here in life, uh, because everybody's walking around talking about love. And uh, I think we do need to love each other. And so I appreciate any time that we spend talking about that concept. I do want to take just a second thank God for my family. My wife, she's in teaching what we call the littles. And they're at Life Kids. We've got the little kids, we've got the medium little kids, and then we got the bigger little kids. And uh, she's in with the little, little kids tonight. And so y'all just say an extra prayer for me tonight when we get home because... After working with the Littles for about 45 minutes to an hour, you that's about all you got. <laughs> you're going, that's all you got left when you're done. But they, them kids in there, uh, they have my heart wrapped uh, around their fingers. I love the kids at life. Our little ones are just such a blessing. And I love being able to you, uh, have God use me to love them. Thank God for my boys. We got Michael back here on the computer, uh, helping me with my scriptures tonight. I just thought it was cool. He came to me while I was in my office studying this afternoon, and he said, so, Dad, what's the word? And I, I was just, I just thought he was messing around. He goes, no, I need to know what word is. Brother Stevens is going to be there. I'm going to be doing the scriptures. And I, I was like, oh, okay, cool, right on. I just thought it was cool that, you know, Michael's in there now, you know, kind of duping, duping and helping us get stuff done. Samuel, unfortunately, can't be here. My oldest... Uh, he is working like a real job. He's out there at the Target warehouse slinging boxes from 4 o'clock at night until 2 o'clock in the morning. And he's coming home looking at me like, I said, I told you, son, you need to go to school. This is what you're going to be doing. So uh, he's, he's out there paying the piper just like all of us had to do at some point, uh, which I'm, I'm super proud of him. He's, he, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed with what God has given me and my boys. And I do want to say... Uh, thank you to Melissa. She's one of our childhood friends, family friends. You guys have heard me talk about how my family was very fluid. We had a lot of aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, and she's kind of like Aunt Melissa. Uh, her and my mom were best friends growing up. They just It was like a big tag team. It was like WWF, let's keep everybody living and surviving. And uh, people were throwing people out of the ring and crashing chairs and stuff. At the end of the day, we all were making it. And so she drove down from Iowa and her and her family kind of hanging out and doing things and booping and bopping around. And I'm glad she booped and bopped over to my house for a few days. So, Melissa, it's good to see you. Honor the pastor tonight, Pastor Tommy Crutchfield. As you know, one of the coolest dudes that I know. And I, you probably share some similar you know, feelings toward the dude if you're here. Him and his wife, totally cool. 35 years of marriage, out there celebrating, having a great time, and I hope they maximize every minute of it because they deserve it after 35 years of dealing with one another. So uh, I do want to also give honor to Elder Billy Wilson. Miss him a lot, and I, I look forward to the day when I see him again, and uh, I hope he, he's able to peek in and see what we're doing here and continue to be proud of what we're doing here at life from what he started i was just talking to melissa on our way here and she you know she's been driving around just really looking at all that she said there's a lot of swampland around here i said yeah matter of fact where we're going tonight this whole area was swampland and elder wilson convinced the city when they were busting up the road and making it bigger he convinced them to take all the debris that they were using busting up their roads and come and fill in the swamp so basically all this road before it was before it was double, before it was triple, quadruple, whatever lanes, they busted all that up, filled all this in, and then later he convinced the city they brought a bunch of dirt in for free and continued to fill it in. And then I told her the, the local hardware store off of uh, Maine told them, 
whatever you need to build, you come and you get whatever you need. And basically gave them an open bill of credit. And Elder Wilson got the stuff, brought it out here, and soldiers from our base came and helped him build it. So uh, I, I miss him a lot, and, and I'm thankful for what he started here on uh, just blood, sweat, tears, passion, and faith. And uh, he built and built and did and did, and, and I'm thankful that we can do what we do now. And I honor all the other pastors in, in, our, in our group of, of folks here that are doing what you do, all of our ministers, all the folks that are keeping their hand to the plow and helping us continue as, as a body to reach out to the community. I love you guys, and thank you so much for all that you do. Well, we are talking about Love Month. Y'all got to forgive me. This is, uh, this is the first different iPad I've had in probably 10 years. So I'm, like, I'm trying to make sure it doesn't fall over. And so bear with me if it like goes off and I just got to like shoot from the hip for the rest of the night. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out, you know. But uh, some kids were asked, what is love? What is love? And so this group of kids, you're bound to get some very interesting um, from them. And one says, when grandmother got arthritis, she, could, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So grandfather does it for her all the time. Even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. That was from Rebecca, age 8. Billy, age 4. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Billy, age 4. <laughs> Somebody give that man a mic. Uh, Chrissy, age 6. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your fries without making you give any of, give you any of theirs. Terry, age 4. Love is what makes you smile even when you're tired. Danny, age seven. Love is when mommy makes coffee for daddy, then takes a sip before she gives it to him, making sure it tastes okay. Nikki, age six. If you want to learn how to live better, love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Give her a mic to him. <laughs> Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, and then he wears it every day. Oh, <laughs> And then Tommy, age six, says, Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. Kind of reminds me of the saying, it says, Love at first sight is easy and it's understandable. There's no miracle in that. The miracle is that when you see each other every day for years and years and you still love each other. That is love at first sight. There's a story about a woman who wanted to get, get a reaction from her husband. She was having a hard time. She was wanting to know if he loved her. So she wrote him a letter saying she was tired of him and didn't want to live with him anymore, and she put it on the table in the bedroom and then climbed under the bed to hide until her husband got home. When he eventually came home, he saw the letter on the table, read it, and after a few moments of silence, he picked up a pen, added something to the letter, and then he started to get changed, whistling a happy tune and singing and dancing while he did so. He grabbed his phone and he dialed a number. His wife listened from under the bed as she started, as he started chatting with someone. Hey babe, I'm just changing clothes and then I'll join you, he said. As for that other girl, it finally dawned on her that I was fooling around with you and she left. I was really wrong to have married her. I wish you and me had met earlier. See you soon, honey. He hung up the phone and he walked out of the room. Heartbroken. The woman crawled out from underneath the bed. She, she got up. She walked over to the piece of paper. She wiped the tears out of her eyes so she could read it. And it read, I can see your feet sticking out from underneath the bed. You I'm going out to buy bread. I like this love letter that this lady wrote to Jimmy. It says, Dearest Jimmy, no words can ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement up. Please say you'll take me back. No one ever could take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. 
P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> okay, that's enough. That's enough of the jokes. Okay, okay. I want to get a few more people in here. You know what I'm saying? Loosen it up a little bit. I know we've had long days, hard days. You've been out there working and making money, and now we got to talk about some Jesus stuff. Okay. John 13 and 5. You got that for me, Michael Thomas? Boom. So far, so good. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love for one another. We will, we will be known as his disciples only if we have love for one another. Brother Anthony, can you pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask a blessing on this message, Lord God. I pray you touch Brother Dave as he ministers to us your word. God, make it easy for him, God. Um, we're just thankful for what you're going to do in us in our hearts, Lord God. Let the word hit us, Lord, and stick, Lord God, into our hearts, Lord God, as we live throughout our day, throughout the rest of this week. And it's in Jesus' name we're thankful for this church and for the body of believers. Amen. 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 Thank you, sir. So tonight we're going to talk a little bit about how to say I love you. How can we say I love you? Uh, before we go into that, I want to talk about something pretty cool. Uh, Harry Truman was a uh, was one of our presidents, and he took over for President Frank, Franklin D. Roosevelt after he you know he ran successfully, but he ended up passing away. So Harry Truman took over for him. And this was during a very uh, crazy time in our world. World War II was just ending, and the world had just you know gotten done losing you know thousands upon thousands of lives, and you know. The whole cities and parts of countries were destroyed, and the, the whole world had just been shaken up by war. That's why it's called World War, World War II. So he's thrust into leadership, and Europe's in shambles, and he was chosen to lead our country, and eventually leading the world as we began to rebuild. He helped establish NATO, and then shortly after this all happened, we went into the Korean War. So this... This guy was a very busy dude. I mean, he had, I mean, I wake up in the morning and I start writing off out my to-do list and I'm like, woof, man, I don't think I'm ever going to get to all this stuff, you know. But my to-do list pales in comparison to the things that this guy had on his to-do list day after day as he helped rebuild not, not a city and, and, and not, a, not just a country, but helped rebuild the world. Now, a few years ago, the Harry S. Truman Library made public 1,300 discovered letters that the president wrote to his wife, Bess, over the course of a half, half a century. All this time while he was doing all this work, no matter how bad the day was or how important the things were that he was doing, he took time out to write his wife when he was not with her. He had a rule that whenever he wasn't with his wife, whether she was away from him or he was away from her, that he would write her a letter. He didn't just tell his wife that he loved her. He showed his wife that he loved her. James 2 and 18 says, Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Saying I love you is, is an important tool in our tool belt to show people that we love them. We, we shouldn't tell others that we love them but it's not the only thing that we need to do in, in the arena of showing someone that we love them if all we ever do is say I love you and that's the extent of the energy that we put into trying to show people that we love them it's eventually it's not going to work out the way we're expecting it to if we're going to be if if we're going to be who God is calling us to be in our marriages our workplace at school or with our families we're going to need to be like Paul and show our love by our works. So we're going to go over a few ways that we, we, we should uh, and can, uh, some things that we can do to show someone and not just tell someone that we love them. And this isn't just like married couples. Of course, it will work. Um, but this is, you know, we love more people in our life than just, you know, our wife or our husband. You know, we've got 
children, and we've got parents, and we've got friends, and we've got co-workers, and we have all these other relationships in our life that we should be uh, exhibiting love, you know, God's love. So all of these ways that we're going to talk about is, is every relationship that you have in your life, we can apply these, and we can show God's love by doing these things. And the first one is to listen. Okay, now you guys are doing a very good job in here of showing me that you love me by listening to me. Now, you may not actually be listening to me. Like, if, if this room were full of the youth, uh, I would probably say 25% of them would actually be listening. Another 25% would be on their phone, totally disengaged. And then, like, you know, we love Christy, right? Who doesn't love Christy? I'm going to tell you something about Christy. When we were in youth group, okay, when we were when she was growing up and she came to youth group, she was one of the best at this. Sister Christy would be looking me dead in my eyeballs while I was teaching, dead in my eyeballs, and she would be texting me. <laughs> now this isn't texting like we got it right now. This is where you had to hit the A button three times to get a C. So C A. You know, she and she was getting down. That girl got so, I was, I was so enamored with her ability. To, and she would not, mm -hmm, she would get down with it and still be able to hold a complete conversation with somebody else. I just said, you know what? I'm going to let that fly, Mark. I don't know. You got it. You know what I mean? Hey, get it. You know what I'm saying? While the other ones are just totally talking while I'm trying to talk. You're like, I'm going to murder you. you know? so, so listening is, is, is one way we can show uh, people that we, love them. And, and the first part of listening is being quiet. There's no way to listen to someone while you're talking. And part B of this, part 1B of this is you cannot actually listen to someone if you're already trying to formulate what you're going to say back to them while they're talking. Today, this happened to me while I was talking with one of these guys that is working for me now. Um, he was explaining a conversation, a situation that came up and immediately I filled in the blanks and figured out what was going on. In my head, I, I figured it out. And I was just waiting for him to stop talking so that I could tell him the answer. And I said, but I, I had an intentional moment where like, I, I looked at myself in the proverbial mirror and I said, David, you are not listening to this dude. You need to stop and you need to let him finish talking so you can get figure this out. And he did. He, I, I just was like, and I listened. And like the last few things that he said changed everything about what I was about to say. I was like, man, you'd think I'd figure this out by now. Jeez. You know, so that's why I bring, these are simple things we're going to bring up tonight. But sometimes it's the simple things that we move over because we try to make things too complicated sometimes. You know what I mean? And we get so complicated that we're no good. So we need to stop and we need to listen and we need to let... God do what he's doing in that. The scripture even says that. It says in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let's not jump the gun. Let's fully listen before we... Now, I'm going to say some folks out there make it hard to do. Okay? Because they'll talk and talk and talk. They'll say, oh, man. And don't worry. God's teaching you something. Just keep rocking. Ernest Hemingway said, when people talk, listen completely. Most people never listen. Uh, a, a Greek sage, Pula, said, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. Truly listening to someone is a powerful way to show our love without saying a word. Amen? Amen? So another way that we can show people that we love them is to choose our response carefully. Uh, Proverbs 20, 15 and 12, or 28 says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. There was one day um, Elder Wilson taught me this whole being and quiet thing and studied the answer. I told him something pretty heavy. You know, I didn't, when I came to the church, I came right from like wild and crazy to like I'm at the church and trying to like fix my life. So that you know, when you walk in the doors of the church, it doesn't like all stop and like everything gets null and void. Like, it's like a train. It just keeps coming. It's like a, you know, it, there's a lot of momentum that you've created in life. And so when you get in the church, you, you want like that all to go away, but it doesn't. Freight trains into your life. 
you just find different ways to address these situations that you created in your life, hopefully creating a different momentum in a different direction. But you still have to deal with the life that you lived before and all of it. You can choose, you know, you can choose your life, but you can't choose your consequences. Well, I was dealing with some consequences that helped, that I was, uh, and I didn't have a lot of people to talk to about this new lifestyle. And I said, oh, listen, I got a problem. This is my problem. I'm not going to tell you my problem. This is a pretty rough problem. And I, I told him, and he just took another bite of his cheeseburger. I said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, man, I'm in trouble. He ain't got an answer to this one either. But he was listening. He just bite my sandwich, continuing on, moving on. And a couple days later, we're in the church, and I'm walking by. My thumb gave up on the dude. And I'm like, he ain't got no answers for me. He said, Brother Dave, come on over here. I'm talking Hey, yeah. He's like, you know that thing you were talking about? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, da, 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 da. he laid out his thoughts on the matter after taking some time to think about it. I imagine pray about it. And then figure out, hey, he's going to share this with me. Maybe playing the conversation through his head a couple times. Because I'm a young guy. He don't want to blow me up. He doesn't want to rub me off. you got to be careful how we share the truth. You know, we, you've heard it said you can either spoon food somebody apart and smack them in the face. Either way, they got the pie, right? But the guy who gets smacked in the face probably ain't coming back. You know what I'm saying? Unless that's their thing. Which, you know, it's weird. It's weird. If we love someone, we'll show it to them by using patience, prayer, and maturity when responding. Telling it like it is is not the godly way to address the situation. Well, I'm just telling it like it is. I'm just, I'm just telling it like, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And then people back it up, like they try to like, come up with ways to say that that's what they should have done. And I'm not going to argue with you if you think that's the way you should have handled the situation. Because if you think that's the way, obviously something in your life has shown you. But the scripture speaks about being patient and speaking in love. And typically, when we're telling it like it is, what we're doing is the first emotion that rises up. It's not even a thought yet. It's an emotional reaction to, that we have to a situation that connects to the part of our brain that causes us to say stuff. And typically, that, uh, that initial reaction is that old man creeping up, the person that we're trying to get under control. And when we allow him to, you know, when we allow self to dictate what we're about to say, it ain't going to be, it's going to be ugly most of the time. I remember when I, the first time I ever noticed this, like actually put my finger on it, I was in the barracks and I'd been trying to live for God. I was doing everything I knew to do and I had some great leadership and they were teaching me. But this one guy said something to me, I, yeah, he had been borrowing my this and he asked for money here and it's whatever. I mean, it was just little stuff, whatever, but you know, this, this kid didn't have his life together and I was all the time having to be like, okay, okay, okay. Well, one day I asked for something. I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I... He's like, oh, man, you always ask me for stuff from me. And, like, it was like this weird... I mean, I'd never felt it before. It was like... And I said, like, what's about to happen? And I... My lips... And I was like... And I was like, whoa, whoa, bring it in, buddy. This guy's like... Ah, ah, ah. And I was like, I felt good. I was like, man, he deserved every word of that. But then immediately after, like, the situation, he walked away, I started felt sick in my stomach. And I was like, oh, man. And I had no, you know, there were no words to put to this situation. I was too young in the Lord to understand what was going on. But now I know it's, it's I was trying to tame the tongue. And I let, I let the reins off of it. And I just let it do whatever it was going to do. And I knew exactly what needed to be done in what I was used to doing. So it wasn't pretty, and I, I'm not a, I don't like that part of me. And I try to uh, keep the reins on. If any, if any man among you seem to be religious, but bridleth not his tongue... But deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. James 1 and 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Scriptures talk directly against just telling it like it is. Abraham Lincoln said, It's better to remain silent and to be thought a fool than to speak out. And remove all doubt. <laughs> Muhammad Ali said, silence is golden. Especially when you don't have an answer for what's being talked about. And my mama used to say, if you can't find anything nice to say, 
don't say anything at all. So now we've listened. We've been thinking and praying about the response. So now it's time to take action. These are ways that we can show people that we love them other than just telling them that we love them. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, The power of life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat thereof. We must be in the building of we must be in the business of building others up in our relationships. And so when we're seeking the thing that we're about to speak into this person's life, we need to ask ourselves, am I uplifting, am I building, am I edifying this person? Or am I just telling it like it is? You know, or am I just expressing myself? First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify or lift up or build up one another. Speak what you want, believe, and hope in your relationships. We've got to try to make it a habit of when something comes out of our mouth, we're speaking by faith all the time. Not faith in the negative things. We got, you don't need faith in the negative things. We got plenty of proof and facts about the negativity going on. We got the doctors telling us this, and we got our bosses telling us about our poor performance, and we've got our life telling us that we're going to owe this, and we're going to owe this. We got plenty of facts about the negative things in our life. So we have to make it our business to put energy into speaking life. Speaking life. Giving God some stuff to work with in how we communicate with those that we love. It takes energy and it takes effort. And it's very difficult because, because the negativity surrounds us and tries to choke us out. But we must understand that God is interested in using us to speak life into the situation. And he's, he's walking around and he's looking for people that have their antenna up. And they're like, God, all I'm feeling is negativity and I want to be positive here. And he's like, oh, there's one over there. And he can run over there and he can speak things, speak things into our spirit and our heart and our mind so that we can then, oh, wow, hey, I didn't even think of that. God's was like, I know, I got you. You know, and we give him a chance and he does some cool stuff. We must plant the seed of hope and faith into our spouses and families' ears and water frequently with prayer and consistent encouragement, reminding everyone, including ourselves, what we are believing the outcome to be. We've got to believe, but it all starts with us. A lot of times when we look at relationships and the interactions with relationships, the first, things that come, the first thing that comes up is what this person has done to me. Why I feel the way I do is because of who they are to me and what they've done to me. That's why I feel like this. And so we immediately, it bounces off of us and we put the blame on them so that we don't have to take any action of change and invest in the situation. Especially folks that have heard us numerous times. We have all the ammunition we need in our pocket to always point the finger back at them. Always and forever. And that's fine. You will always have enough ammunition to point at someone else. But it will never change as long as that's what we're doing. Because if we are having a problem with a person and it's affecting us, then we are the one with the problem. John 1 and 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we want to see change in others, it has to start with us. If we have a problem with how someone is acting, then the problem is with us. We cannot allow someone else's actions to be an excuse for our inappropriate actions. It, how a person acts toward us can never be an excuse for us ever responding in an in inappropriate way. Never an excuse. I mean, it could be an excuse for us. It could be an excuse for our little friend group and everybody will agree with us. But when it boils down to it, it isn't an excuse that God will accept. And is it an excuse that we can go to the word and bounce it off the word? And does that make sense? If we cannot love, then we are the problem. If we're having a problem listening, then we're the problem. If we're having a problem responding, then we're the problem. If we're having problems speaking life into a situation and into a person's life, then we are the one with the problem. And we've got to get down to the heart of the matter. And I say the heart of the matter because it is a heart problem. Amen? You can read all the books on love that you want. Marriage and communication. You can go to the library. You can go to Amazon. Even the library now has books that you can check out and listen to online for free on love and marriage. And I recommend doing that. Uh, you can counsel with First Lady and Pastor Crutchfield until we hear the trumpet from heaven. 
And, and that's not a bad idea. Celebrating 35 years of marriage, maybe they got something to say about the subject that we need to listen to. You can go to every marriage retreat that they offer, and I hope you get to go to some. But if we don't deal with our own personal heart issue, it's just like painting a rusty car. It's just like putting cologne on instead of taking a shower. And it's just like building a castle on the sand. It's not going to take long before those first waves come and just knock down our castle. We're going to start stinking through our suit jacket. And then that car, that rust, if you've ever painted something with rust on it, sure enough, like my back door the other day, I tried to scrape off the rust, but it was too hard. I'm like, I'll just put some paint on it. I put some paint on it, and now here it is. I see the rust seeping through. I'm going to have to get down and dirty and get to the heart of the matter and get that rust off my door. Or else I'm just going to keep seeing the rust. It looks fine at first. It painted it up, but it didn't work. Psalms 34 and 13 says, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. But how can we do that? How can we keep our tongue from evil? Because the Bible also says in James, But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of death, deadly poison. Well, hold up, you just told me that i got to keep my lips from evil, but I can't even tame my tongue. How is this supposed to go down? James 3 and 9 says, Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Doth a fountain send forth both out of the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, either a vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This is not an issue with them. This is an issue with us. It's a heart issue. James 4 and 8 says, draw nigh unto God and I will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Romans 10 and 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Psalms 51 and 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God. That's where it starts. This is how we start getting down to the heart of the issue. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Forgive me of all the stuff I've done. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. I admit my faults. I admit where I was wrong. I might not have been wrong in this whole conversation. I might not have been the one that started the argument. But I can plant my flag and I can tell you some places where I know I stepped over the line. And I did some things that I shouldn't have done. And we went places in this argument that we shouldn't have gone. Because I, I realized real quick when I was working with my wife and we were learning each other. That if I just stopped and I said, you know what, hold up, time out. Look, I was wrong. Okay. I wouldn't say this out loud, but on the inside, I'd say God and everything. <laughs> but I would say, I was wrong for saying this. I shouldn't have said this. And it was like immediately, some of the, some of the heat went out of the air. Now, not all the heat now, all right, depending on how bad it would, you know. And then, if I, and, and then I could, and then it would start like, it would like bring this like air of like psychological freedom. We weren't mad and trying to win anymore against each other by coming up with, you know, ways to get out. We, we start, she would be like, well, no, she wouldn't until the next day or two. She's not a communicator like that. My wife would begin to start a different cycle in her head. Instead of trying to find ways to fight with me, she would find ways to calm down. And then a day or two later, she'd come back to me and be like, hey, babe, you know, you were right. I'm sorry about this. Now, that really frustrated me in the beginning because I figured we talk about it now, we get it over, then we move on. And I don't really, I mean, that's just not the way she rolls, it's, you know, and I, I figure that out with people too. Some people, there's, you know, they're, they're going to process and think about it, and they're going to come back to you later, you know, hopefully better. Um, against thee, God, only have I sinned, and done this evil in thyself, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, 
and in sin did my mother deceive me, conceive me. <laughs> Whoops. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out, blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Have you ever felt that? You're like, Lord, I need, a, I need you to renew a right spirit in me, because what I got going on right now just ain't right, and it ain't fun. It ain't fun having a bad, you know, having a bad attitude when you're angry and frustrated and you, you just can't shake it, right? You just, you got legitimate situations you're trying to work through in your head. You're just hyped up. Maybe that's just me. And I got to be like, woo, put the phone down, walk away from the computer and I got to go take a walk so the Lord can renew a right spirit in me. <laughs> Cast me not away from thy presence, God, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto me. Deliver me from blood guiltlessness, O God. Thou shalt, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. This is all after he's dealt with the heart issue. This is all after this, this David has, has called out to God and said, forgive me for the stuff that I've done. And then I can declare. And then I can sing aloud. And then I will open up my mouth. And I will sing for your praises. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in birth, burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, will thou not despise. When we take our brokenness, our inability to navigate through these challenging relational situations in our life, and we take this to God and say, God, I've really been trying, and it's been really hard. I can't listen to not one more word that that person's saying, let alone respond correctly. This person's driving me crazy, and I know you want me to love them, and I know I have something to do here, but I can't. God, help me. God's like, thank you. Here we go. And God starts us on the pathway of helping us to know exactly what we, what we must do from that point. But we got to get to the point where we know that only God is going to help us sometimes. When we allow God to cleanse us and forgives us, he replaces all those empty places with his spirit. It is then that we can patiently be quiet and listen to those that we love. It is then that we can study to choose the right answer. And it is then... That God gave us, and it is then that God gave us the words to uplift. It is then that God can give us the words to uplift and encourage and speak life into all of those around us. We need God. We don't just need God for salvation and to be saved. You know, we want to go to heaven and that's a motivating factor to live for God and to come to church and to do all the stuff. But Outside of coming to church on Tuesdays and Sundays and any other time that we end up here with the body of Christ, we have a whole other world that we interact with. We have a whole other group of people that, that cross our paths that God is wanting to use us to reach. But we're not going to be able to do it on our own accord. We need his presence. We need his power. We need him to help us to navigate each of these situations because nothing is by chance. Not one single interaction that we have throughout our day is meaningless. They all have meaning. The lady in the drive-thru who got your order wrong like four times at the drive-thru and then you get there and it's still wrong. This has nothing to do with your sandwich not having onions on it. Nothing. Zero. It has everything to do with what God is trying to use us to do in a world that is lost and hurting and stressed out and paranoid and all the other negative, terrible emotions that people walk around with all day long. All day long. We, we get so, we're so blessed in here to have the power of God and he's altered our lives and we, 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 we get to operate in like a neutral peace where life isn't just destructive internally all day. But that's not how people have it. There are people that 
that barely can sleep because of the stress and the anxiety that's going on in their lives. And then they got to go to work in the morning and it ain't got no better because they hadn't even slept. And then they get to a job that, that they don't like and, and you're sitting here yelling at them through a drive through window and, and they're on the verge of whatever they, they got going on and all we're concerned about is whether our sandwich had onions on it. And so what God would want to do through that interaction showing this person the kindest, littlest, most smallest little touch of love is ran over by the fact that I can't stand onions and I done told you four times. McDonald's terrible. The management is terrible. And they can't get nobody in here to do anything right. Look, all that's legitimate. But it doesn't change what our responsibility is in each and every one of our interactions. We're not the manager of McDonald's. It's not our mission to change the way that fast food is delivered to us in our culture today. That's not our mission. Our mission is to be used as a tool and a vessel of love and patience and kindness, whatever, whatever that looks like, however it ends up playing out. But we've got to take the opportunity for God to use us. And sometimes it's, it's enough for us just to bite our lip, take our onions, and roll on. And that, that's just the way I do with it. If I can't say nothing nice, just give me my sandwich. We're good. We're good. Flick them onions off of there. I'm not allergic, so it'd be alright, you know. And this is it's always easy to say, right? From from this place with me with the microphone and I got the scriptures in front of me, and you know, this is easy for me to say to everybody. It's it and but it's not easy to do. It's easy to do for like a day. Like we get really motivated from like a message or something. We have a good prayer meeting. Woo, man, we living it up. We're doing our thing. Every, we, we being spiritual with everybody. But then like a couple days goes by and we start, like our gas, our spiritual gas tank start getting a little empty, you know. We start kind of putter. You know, and we feel it. We're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. People start driving us crazy again. We're like, oh, man. Ah, we got to get back. We got to get back to the faucet. We got to get filled back up with the hope and the peace and the goodness of God, His Spirit, and, and or else we're just going to be a bump on another bump on the log out there that somebody else is having to interact with, and we ain't doing no good. So, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. So, if we can stand here today, we're not going to. It's Tuesday night, seven eighteen. I'm not going to drag this out. But what we are going to do is we're going to take an intentional moment of prayer together as the life family here tonight. We're going to act like when we leave this place that God has ordained some interactions for us to have. We're going to, we're, we're, let's put it in our mind and believe by faith so that the next five interactions that we have that God is going to use us to show someone his love. But to do that, we've got to have supernatural patience. We've got to be able to listen, study to answer, and help God to help us to respond. Create in me a clean heart, God. And restore within me, Lord God, a right spirit. It's by your power and your spirit I know we can do these things. It's by your power and your spirit. I know we can be who you want us to be for every person that comes our way. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us to believe that you're going to use us to uplift, to encourage. Lord, to lift up somebody who might be in way more need than they would ever show. Lord, help us to speak life into situations. Situations that we know about. Situations that come to our feet. God, help us to speak life. To speak faith into these situations. Help us, Lord God, not to get drowned out in the world's problems. But to be a light. Lord, to be a light and to be positive for these things, God. We need you. We need you. Cleanse our hearts tonight. Cleanse our hearts tonight, Lord. Wash us, Lord, and we will be clean, Lord. Create in us, Lord God, a clean heart. We need you, Jesus. We need you every moment of the day in our homes and in our schools and in the workplace and everywhere in between. God, we need you. Help us, God, to be a light. Put those nice, sweet words at the tips of our lips, Lord, and help us to be sincere as we navigate this life and all the things that this life brings with it. We trust in you, God. 
We trusted you, Lord, for a supernatural anointing to be able to do the things, Lord, that we could never do on our own. To come up with the ideas that we could never come up with on our own. We trust you, God. And we believe you, God. I pray that you give us the supernatural answers, God, to the questions that come to our feet, that boggle our minds, that confuse us and trip us up, God. We believe in you. We believe that you can do these things and want to do these things and you're just waiting for us to give you an opportunity to do these things in our lives. Use us, God. Every word that we say and every action we take, use us, God. Help us, Lord, to be who you've called us to be for such a time as this. For our wives and our husbands, for our children, for our brothers and our sisters, for our moms and dads, for our co-workers and all those that we meet. Help us. And use us. We ask these things tonight. In Jesus name. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said amen. 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 It shall be said. You know that we don't just say amen. Because amen is a cool word to say in church. We say amen because we're solidifying. Amen. I believe it. And it shall be done. I believe it. And it shall be done. On the count of three we're going to say amen. One, two, three. Amen. 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 You're dismissed. It shall be done. Thanks for coming on Tuesday night. Y'all have a great night tonight. Get good rest, good sleep. We probably should take up an offering so that we can continue to pay for the light bill. Brother Cruz, come help us out. Who wants to pray over the offering? Raise your hand.